how many places he's going, and uh, we are grateful to have him come and be a part of our bus conference, and uh, we are honored by your friendship and uh, your love for the bus ministry and your example uh, to so many. So, Brother Fugit, you come and preach for us. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here tonight, and I've enjoyed uh, the uh, service, and I've been uh, challenged by it. I never want to get to the place that my heart is not soft and tender toward uh, the need of our generation. It is our turn, and the truth is uh, the responsibility and the need is overwhelming. And we can't, but God can. And oh, how we need to give it all we've got uh, for the cause of Christ. I want to, first of all, say congratulations to uh, bust them in for bus number 55. That's really amazing. Uh, you know, at a time when folks ask me, and they, they ask me across the country, how's the bus ministry doing? And I always, whatever the number is, I say, I know of 54, 55, whatever the number is, new bus ministries or bus routes that have just been started. And I'm so thankful for that. And, of course, there are ministries that die. Uh, but there were folks died in my town last night. Just because they did doesn't mean I'm going to turn myself into the uh, funeral home. And uh, But anyway, I, uh, I appreciate that and say congratulations. And uh, some of our uh, college graduates have been recipients of those buses, and I, I'm thankful for it. I love church. I love the ministry. I love getting my reports of Sunday school and bus ministry every Sunday afternoon. And about 4.30, 5 o'clock, I start getting our bus reports, and I'm thankful that our numbers are continuing to go up. It has been a challenge after uh, COVID. It seems that young people are staying inside more, and it's a little more difficult. You know, I thought that the COVID thing was going to scare older folks my age and older, uh, but I'm surprised how many young people that it has just put a fear in them. And uh, But we've been able to be back over a 1,000 riders on a Sunday a couple of times this fall, and thank the Lord for many, many that have come to know Christ as Savior. Open your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11. It's good to be back in the old doghouse. And uh, is that what you call this? I think that's what you call it, eh? the doghouse or the bus or something or another. That's what the uh, body men call it. And uh, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 32 is where we're going to start, and we're going to read through verse number 37. And stand with me, if you will, as we begin Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, well, these are mighty folks, aren't they? Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Sort of makes you feel bad and you stay home with a headache. Out of weakness were made... I'm just reading the scripture. Uh, uh, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, 
they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look at verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. I want you to look at verse number 35, if you will. The second line, there are two words in that second line, and those two words are and others. Look at verse number 36, the first two words of verse number 36, the words and others. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. I hunger to be a blessing. Lord, with all of my heart, I desire that I could be used of you to encourage and to challenge, to help us to stay on the firing line of winning boys and girls and teenagers and men and women to you, Lord, reaching our college campuses. Oh, the need is so great, and we need every soldier and servant. And I pray that you bless the preaching tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Hebrews chapter 11 reminds me of a memorial wall that is dedicated to honor soldiers who have given their lives for the cause of freedom. Recently I was watching a man and his wife. I'm going to guess that they were close to the age of 80 years of age and they had walked up to the wall of the uh, Vietnam Memorial and uh, they were looking at all of the names and then uh, they obviously looked for the letter of the last name and uh, one found the last name letter. It was obvious what they were doing. They were looking for the particular name of either a son or a brother, uh, most likely a son, and they uh, were looking as their fingers went down through the names and finally uh, their fingers stopped and rested on a name. They looked at one another and they nodded their head in honor of that memory. When I read Hebrews chapter 11, I think of a memorial wall. Uh, The Vietnam Memorial Wall has a traveling wall that's about half the size of the Memorial Wall of the names of Vietnam. I believe there are 58,000 names on that wall, and they take that around for folks to see, to see the price that's been paid for the freedom we enjoy in America. Uh, It is interesting when you look at history and you read the names of soldiers uh, and you if you look at a top ten list, it's pretty hard to come up with a top ten list. We've had so many heroes in our American history. Uh, When you think of an Alvin York or an Audie Murphy or a General Patton or a General MacArthur and everybody has their favorite or someone that has impressed them or maybe some connection to family, but reading Hebrews chapter 11 is sort of re- like reviewing the names of great war heroes. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven and get to meet these folks who made a difference not just for a temporary freedom, but freedom for all eternity? I mean, can you imagine when we get to meet these folks, Abel, who offered that excellent sacrifice that was accepted of God? Enoch, 
that preacher of righteousness of old. Noah, what a man of faith when the whole world had become so wicked. In fact, it was the most wicked generation ever. And the Bible tells us in the last days it will be like the generation of Noah. And uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, of course. He built the ark. Can you imagine meeting Noah uh, when we get to heaven? Uh, Can you imagine meeting Abraham, that man of great faith? The Bible says of Abraham that he staggered not at the promises of God. My, what an amazing thing. He gave God the glory for a son that he didn't have all the way up to the age of 100 when his wife had that son. I think of the faith of Sarah, who at the age of 90 gave birth to the promised seed. I think of the faith of Isaac. You know, uh, Abraham was asked to offer his son Isaac on that altar But Isaac, he lay down on the altar, and by faith he trusted his father who trusted God. And what an amazing man of faith. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing when we get to meet these great heroes of the faith? I think of Jacob, who is not my favorite Bible character, but a great testimony of what God can do to change a man and change his name who became the father of the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. And what a great man and what a prince with God he became. I think of Joseph. You know, Joseph no doubt expected to, uh, when he told his brothers what he had learned from God, that he expected his brothers to be an encouragement to him. And they weren't an encouragement at all. They were critical of him. Uh, They said, here comes that dreamer. Can you imagine a man who had so much faith? He kept his eyes on the promise of God that in the pit, of God's promise and when he went to the palace and then to prison he never gave up on God and when his brothers he met with him in the end there and he said you meant it for evil but but God meant it for good and what a man to just accept the hardships and the difficulties and you go through this chapter and we could take a service or a day and talk about just each one of them but when you come to verse number 35. This recently uh, caught my attention after thinking uh, some time of each of these and the greatness and the great faith that these had. I came to verse number 35 and I find the words and others. And then again in verse number 36, as if there is a tremendous emphasis on this, it was not just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and the ones that we talk about, but there were many, many others. As I read the words, and others, I think of the great host of the servants of God. This world is never known by name, but they, just like those whose names are known and talked about and taught about in the classrooms of our Sunday schools, they too are great and wonderful people. The Arlington National Cemetery, of course, is not very far from here. It's filled with hundreds and thousands of soldiers that gave themselves for the cause of freedom in America. I believe I'm right that there's approximately 400,000 soldiers' uh, bodies buried there and uh, the markers that line those rolling hills of the Arlington Cemetery. 
But there is also in that cemetery a tomb that holds the remains of three soldiers, and that tomb is marked the Tomb of the Unknown. How many of you have been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? All right, a few of you have. It's interesting, as I read about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, And here's what I found. Through the ages, one of the consequences of warfare has been the large number of unidentified dead. Some identified remains that resulted from poor record keeping, uh, the damage that the weapons of war inflicted on the bodies, or the haste that was required to bury the dead and mark the grave sites. In the United States, prior to the Civil War, unidentified remains were often buried in mass graves. During the Civil War, 1861 to 65, high casualty rates and a lack of personal identification, which led later to what is referred to as dog tags, uh, led to the large number of unknowns originally buried along the marching routes or even in the battlefields. The system of the National Cemetery was established in 1862. And then, you probably know this, but November 11th, just two days ago, 101 years ago, the unknown was placed on a horse-drawn caisson and carried in procession through Washington, D.C., across the Potomac River. A state funeral ceremony was held at the Arlington National Cemetery And that unknown soldier was interred in the tomb of the unknown soldier. President Warren G. Harding officiated at the ceremony, and he placed on that tomb a medal of honor, the nation's highest military decoration on the casket. The tomb coffin is interesting. It's decorated with three wreaths on each side panel, north and south. On the front, east, three figures that represent peace and victory and valor. On the back, uh, the west, uh, uh, features the inscription, and it reads, Here rest in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. It's interesting that in August 1956, President Dwight D. Eisenhower approved the selection and internment of unknowns from both World War II and Korea. And that's an interesting thing to read how those were chosen. And then in March of 1926, soldiers were first assigned to guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. And the guards' presence were there only the, uh, during the daylight hours, and they were there to discourage visitors from climbing or stepping on the tomb. Then in 1937, this is this is hard to imagine, but in 1937, the guards became a 24-7 presence. If you've never been there, you at least ought to watch the video of how uh, they go through that ceremony and take quite serious the guarding of the tomb. There are a few videos of folks that are a tad disrespectful and they step out from behind the chains or they speak up during that ceremony and they have the authority to use lethal force if you're not quiet or you don't stay behind the chains. And it's interesting to watch that guard to bark out orders like I've never seen or heard before to warn people after that rifle is put in position and to bark out orders, get behind the chain or be quiet during the ceremony because they take very serious the guarding of that unknown soldier. 
24 hours a day, seven days a week through storms, snow, sleet, hurricanes. The third United States Infantry Regiment known, known as the Old Guards was designated as the Army's official ceremony unit on April the 6th, 1948. America recognizes not only its soldiers, but even its unknown soldiers. It's quite interesting. But so does God. God said, you know some of our soldiers. And I've recorded some of them by name. And some of them you even knew that before birth that they were called to preach and they were called to proclaim truth. But there's a multitude of others that you'll never know their names. But I know who they are and they're just as important as any servant that ever served God. Have you ever thought about who the unknowns are? I mean, we talk about Paul all the time, and we should. We talk about Peter. We talk about James. We, we, we talk about uh, Matthew. We talk about all these fellows, and I wonder sometimes uh, how they got along except they followed the same truth. I mean, can you imagine Simon Zelotes? I mean, he was a zealot, and his basic purpose in life was to overthrow the Roman government. And he's going soul-winning with Matthew, who just left a job working for the Roman government. Now, the only way those two guys can have unity is they're following the same truth. They're following the same Christ. That probably would help us, too. But that's a different sermon for a different time. But have you ever thought of those that are unnamed? Uh, Those that repaired the temple. Uh, There was a great number of folks in the reign of Jehoash that repaired the temple. Have you ever thought about Gideon's 300? Everybody knows Gideon's name. There were 300 mighty men. Before that battle started, they were told, if you're afraid, go home. They ended up with just 300. Now, had I been training the 300, I would have been, I would have made sure that these were the quietest soldiers that ever walked on the ground. Gideon, of course, does the opposite. He gives them all a bugle. He gives them all a trumpet. Uh, that's the last thing I'd have given him, and, then, and he gave him all a flashlight, or he gave him all a he gave him all a lamp, and he said, uh, uh, "When the uh, when the uh, sound is given, when I cry the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, you're going to break the lamps and you're going to sound the trumpet." I thought, my goodness, that's the last thing I would have done, but that's what God used. You imagine when we get to heaven, uh, we'll get to see Sergeant Gideon, but we'll see his three hundred unnamed, unknown servants. Remember when Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one left. The Lord said, I've got 7,000. 7,000? I mean, if he'd have said seven. I imagine if he have said seven, Elijah would have said, I'd like to know who they are. He didn't say seven. There are 7,000 unnamed, unknown, faithful servants of God. I wonder who the wise men were. What about the shepherds? You know the shepherds. It's interesting. The shepherds were the one that were first to declare. He went to the lowliest. He went to the outcast. And I want to tell you something tonight, friend. It's a joy to serve Jesus and to be on the front lines and serving him. But one day, I want to find out. I'd like to meet those shepherds. I know who Abraham is, and I want to meet him, and I want to meet Stephen, and and I, I want to meet Annas and Simeon. I want to meet those. But I'd like to see who those shepherds are. What's 
your name? Probably a name I can't pronounce, but, but anyway, we give them a Kentucky version of that name. What about the sower that went forth to sow? I wonder what the name of the good shepherd was. We know who the 12 disciples were. What about the 70 that Christ sent out? Unnamed, unknown. What about the 120? We know who the disciples were. We know who a few, a few of the women were. But there was 120 that prepared to go up to the upper room when the Holy Spirit came as the sound of a rushing mighty wind. What about that one leper? There were ten lepers healed. There was one that came back and gave thanks to Jesus. And by the way, he got something the others didn't. He was made whole. The others were healed. He was made whole. I think if he was missing a limb or an eyelid, I think he went back with both arms and his eyelids and everything. He was made whole because he came back and gave thanks. We'll find out who they are. What about the certain scribe? I think often of Nehemiah. The Bible says this. Nehemiah said he went and he he viewed the ruins. And here's what the Bible says. I and some few men with me. We all know Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew who those men were. God knows who they were too. I want to tell you something tonight. I believe some of the greatest servants of Christ in all of this nation and all of this world are God's soul winners. And bus workers. Now I want to tell you, being known of men, that's not a bad thing. But me being known of God, that's the most important thing. Tonight I just want to thank God for that Sunday school teacher that nobody knows. But that Sunday school teacher made a difference in the life of that young man who later was called to preach. I think of that church in Scotland, and the church wasn't doing well. In fact, uh, the deacons met with the preacher at the end of the year at that little church in Scotland, and they said to the preacher, you, you know you are getting older, and our, our church isn't growing, and, and uh, I think we only had one conversion this year. It was that poor Moffat family that came and you remember that one little boy that little four year old boy that came to the altar and got saved I think probably this church ought to find a new pastor and the pastor agreed and he said it's not been a good year and I understand that and if you want to get a new pastor I understand but that one little boy that four year old boy is one they referred to as we Bobby Moffitt who became one of the greatest missionaries Africa ever knew and won a multitude of hundreds of thousands of people to Christ and influenced, in fact, his sister married David Livingston and was influential in David Livingston giving his life for the people of Africa. Who was David Livingston? All the world knows who he was, the great missionary of Africa. A few people know who we, Bobby Moffat, was because of the story and the influence of Bobby Moffat on the life of David Livingston. Who was that preacher? I don't know. I know it was Scotland. I don't know his name, but I know who knows his name because in heaven uh, there is one who listed not only by name some men and women and the great things that they were 
accomplished by faith in God. Ah, but twice he said, there and others, and there and others. And I want to say to you, bus captain tonight, and I know we don't serve God for recognition, but it's a wonderful thing to know that what you and I are doing, the God of heaven knows exactly what we're doing, and he knows who you are. He knows who the fella is that gets the buses warm on Sunday morning. He knows who the fella is trying to put diesel in the bus without getting diesel all over him and everything else. He knows uh, who the runner is that runs from house to house and wakes up the boys and girls and tell them uh, the bus is coming. He knows who that... I asked my daughter uh, yesterday. I was taking her to church to get on the bus. She's 15. I said, now, Laura, what is your job today? You don't have on, uh, doesn't look to me like you have on good running shoes. She said, well, I'm just a secretary. I said, what does that person do? And I know what secretary does. I said, what, what does that person do? She said, so I just write down the names of the people that get on the bus and people that get saved, I just write down their name. I said, you mean, you, you, you mean like little Kelly Cox who died in the house fire? And we wanted to know if she got saved. And we went to the records and we found the faithful bus secretary wrote down the day she came and the day she trusted Christ as Savior. Your job is important. Everybody knows what the preacher's name is at Clays Mill Baptist Church. But Laura, I want you to know, God knows who the secretary is on your bus route. And you're an important person. And I want to tell you something. If you turn the lights on, you spend time in prayer, you turn the heat on in the winter and the, and, and the air on in the summertime and you clean the bus and you clean the carpet, God knows who you are. And I want you to understand something tonight. Oh, our nation, we recognize our soldiers and we decorate them and we use them as examples. And then we even recognize that that tomb of the unknown soldier Tens of thousands of thousands of soldiers have given their lives for the freedom that we enjoy tonight. Oh, but there's a God in heaven. He knows every last mama that prayed for a boy to be saved. He knows every last grandmother. He knows every last servant, every last worker. Now, I want to say tonight, God knows who you are. There's six things I want to say about this unknown servant. And, and I'll not be long, but let me give you these things. First of all, the servant may be unknown, but he is a real servant. That unknown soldier may be unknown by name to us, but he had a dad and mom somewhere. He was a real soldier. There was a day that he left home And the parents wondered in their hearts if he would ever return again. And sure enough, word came. But he died on the battlefield. And we're sorry that he was a part of a battle. That his body could not be uh, identified. And we cannot have. Can you imagine not having that closure of not having a funeral? You imagine that, hey, they, and the unknown servant, they may be unknown, but they are real servants. There's a man in our church, his name is Rolando Ayala. I'll never forget when he first came to church. 
Brother Ayala came with his wife Shirley, and she came. They came as a result of their children. They were just little bitty boys, and and the bus captain went by their house and asked if they could ride the bus. Now, Dad heard the bus captain talking, and he remembered growing up in Puerto Rico when when the bus captain asked if the children could ride the bus. And they came on the bus, and then the next Sunday, Rolando and Shirley, they came and they drove and they followed the bus behind. And he later told the story. He said, when the bus captain asked my boys if they wanted to ride the bus, my mind went back to Puerto Rico. And I remember a woman that came to our subdivision where we lived. She didn't ask if we could ride the bus or the van. We didn't have anything to drive. She asked if we would walk with her to church. He said it was about a mile or so to walk to the church and she would come. And he said, I'm ashamed to say it, but I was, I was a mean little fellow. And sometimes she would say, Rolando, you can't walk with us today until you learn to behave. He said, I wanted to go and I just, I wanted their attention and I was mischievous and mean. And I was so glad she told me how much she loved me and how much God loved me. He said, you know, I never got saved as a boy, but I would walk with her to church on Sunday morning. I remember when Rolando got saved and Shirley got saved and the boys got saved. A few months later, I was preaching and I said, you know, folks, there's so many Spanish speaking folks that live in our town We've got to reach them with the gospel. They're coming here to work, but somebody has to give them more than just a job. We've got to give them the gospel. I don't know how to, I mean, I can't order at Taco Bell except to order the number. I, I can't speak Spanish at all. And I'll never forget Brother Rolando walked the aisle and he said, Preacher, I don't know how to pastor or build a ministry, but I know how to give out gospel tracts. And if you'll train me, I'll work in winning people to Christ. Our Spanish church, I think, had 135 in church yesterday. We've had a Spanish church now for 20 years. And I, uh, they're, they're preachers that are pastoring churches today that came out of that Spanish church because of Brother Rolando Ayala, because of a woman. I don't know her name. He does. While we have a tomb for an unknown soldier, we have a God that knows every unknown servant. And I want to say tonight, dear friend, that servant may be unknown, but they're a real servant. Let me say, second of all, that servant may be unknown, but they had an important place of service. I was listening to some of the speeches recently of Ronald Reagan recognizing our veterans and telling various stories of the bravery of young soldiers that gave their lives in battle. And he told the story of one young man that said to his sergeant that that he was asking for volunteers for a mission. And he told the story and told the fellow's name. And, and it was such a good story. He had a tremendous ability to tell those stories because of his uh, compassion and his caring spirit for those young men. And sure enough, he completed the mission, uh, but the young man never returned to his unit. He was killed in action. Now, he knew the name of that young man, and, and he was decorated, and his parents received those decorations. But I want to tell you, there's a few folks, uh, they serve God, uh, they do a work, and they fulfill a place of service. Nobody knows who they are, but their place of service is important. Let, let, let me tell you something. You, you can't quit. As long as you're alive, you've got to do something to serve God. 
You, you, you can't be looking for the exit. You can't be looking for a way out. There may be some things we have to cut in our life, but serving God can't be one of them. Being a faithful witness and giving gospel tracts and winning people to Christ, that can't be one of them. We cannot quit. We cannot give up. Can I tell you all the things that we can acquire on this earth that they won't have one bit of value compared to that day when we enter into glory. Hey, there's going to be a reward ceremony. Some folks think of the judgment seat of Christ. They always think negative. That's not a negative time. That's the time we're going to receive rewards. It's been 25 years ago, maybe closer to 30. I was flying through O'Hare Airport in Chicago. I was going to preach a meeting and uh, look, walking down the hall was Dr. Howells. And I'll never forget, he said, hey, you got time for a cup of coffee? I didn't drink coffee then, and um, I do now. In fact, I have an IV that I, anyway, uh, but uh, uh, I I said, sure I do. And I'll never forget what Brother Howells told me in that time. We sat down to drink a cup of coffee. I just blew on mine. He drank his, and I didn't. I thought it tasted rotten. But anyway, uh, I sat there and act like I drank coffee. And he said, you know something, preacher? He said, we get to heaven, we're going to find out who the real heroes are. And I'll never forget this. He said, you know, America knows my name. We get to heaven, if there is a line for preachers, I imagine I'll be way back in the line. I'll never forget this. He said, I imagine preachers like your dad that served in those mountains. Nobody ever knew who he was. My dad had a bus ministry. He had 13 buses in those mountains in the early, uh, in the, in the early 70s and mid-70s. There were times we had 500 people in church. 450 of them would ride on a bus. My dad would win men to Christ and tell them, you just take that bus home. When you come to church, bring that bus with you. And that's how he started so many bus routes. And and it was almost a written thing that when you got saved, you had to drive a bus. And some folks would say, you don't get saved over there. You have to drive a bus to church and take folks with you. He said, we get to heaven, we'll find out who the real heroes were. He said he lived on meager fare, and he did. The last pair of shoes my dad had, I have them in my closet right now. Big brown wingtip shoes, both of them have holes in the bottom of the soles. Those were the last active pair of shoes that he had. Hey, when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to tell us who the unknowns are. <laughs> now you just think of this. Some of the great soldiers... You imagine when they get to heaven, those that are saved, and they find out the stories of the unknown that were saved? I want to tell you something. The devil discourages you because we don't think right. We let the devil think for us. We let the devil discourage us. Do you see your name right there? It is. And others. Have you ever seen your name in Hebrews chapter 11 before? There it is in verse number 36. And others. Hey, that servant may have been unknown, but their place of service was a real place of service. I move quickly. The servant may be unknown, but they were faithful. I said number four, the servant may be unknown, but they made the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their all. That's why the unknown soldier is there and recognized because he made the ultimate sacrifice. Thank the Lord for those people who gave their life for the cause of Christ. The greatest people we've ever known 
were great people because of somebody that was unknown that did what they were supposed to do. I had a thought to hit me about six weeks ago. It's been an overwhelming thought. God's been mighty good to me, and he's allowed us to win a lot of people to Christ. And he's answered some big prayers. But I had this thought a few weeks ago. Every time I pray, there's a possibility of a miracle to take place because of that prayer. You understand if God acts, if God moves on behalf of our prayer of faith in Him, do you understand if <clears throat> if I'd have said to you when Brother Tyson was talking about uh, starting the bust them in ministry, if I'd have said, why don't you set a goal of 50 or 60 or 75? He would say, well, let, let's start at 10 first. Maybe he didn't set a goal of 50, I don't know. But isn't it something what God can do? When we step out by faith to do something. Let me give you this statement. The servant may be unknown, but they too were heroes. We don't know what their names are. We will. And then here's my favorite one. The servant may be unknown. <laughs> one day they'll have an empty tomb. Because he's coming back to get them. I think of that tomb of the unknown soldier, and then I take of that, I go to the cemetery every year where my father's buried. My father is there, my grandfather is there, my great-grandfather and my other grandfather, they're all within a hundred feet. There are soldiers there uh, that are buried just beside my dad. Uh, one lost at sea, uh, 1920. One of these days the trumpet's going to sound... And he's going to call every one of those unknowns. Some of them just have unknown. Some of them to us are unknown servants in heaven. They're all going to be known. Isn't it a joy to serve God? Of all the things we do in life, the things that we enjoy doing, I'm going to tell you something. I think fundamental Baptists need to get back to the real main thing. I think sometimes we get to play in just a little bit too much and we get into hobbies a little too much. And if we run out of time, let's run out of time in our hobbies, but let's keep the buses rolling. Now I want to say tonight, maybe even nobody in your church knows what you do. Maybe nobody in church knows how much money you've given to make sure the diesel goes into the buses and the insurance is paid on the buses, but he does. Next time you get discouraged, look at your name right here. Right there it is. And others. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, we are, we are human and sometimes we do get a bit disappointed and we do get a bit discouraged. Lord, as hard as I try to recognize the folks in our church that faithfully serve you, and I try to pay attention to the least of jobs, all of them being important. As I watch teenagers and young people after church Sunday night and Wednesday night picking up papers and straightening chairs and putting songbooks back, as you go to the church, and I thank you for the men and the ladies that are running the vacuum cleaners, as I go to the buses and I... Think of those that put the diesel in the tanks and wash the buses. And I try to recognize as many as I can 
No doubt, Lord, I often overlook some. But I'm glad, Lord, you never overlook anybody. Lord, as our nation is a nation of honor and decency and respect, that's our heritage. We want to make sure that we recognize every soldier that gave themselves for our freedom, even those that were unknown. Thank you, Lord, that you recognize every servant. I pray that you'd encourage us and help us to rededicate and commit our lives to you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As she plays on the invitation song, the altar is open. Many are at the altar already. I know, I know we don't serve God, so we would get a plaque or our name would be called. I know that. But I also know it's a wonderful thing to know that my Heavenly Father recognizes every deed and every act and He hears every prayer. Maybe you can't do what you once did, but you can still give it all you got and what you have. God hears your prayers. God sees your offering. God sees your work of encouragement and others. There's Samson. There's Barak. There's David. There's Noah. There's Abraham. And then and others. There you are. God says, thank you for your faithful, dedicated service to me. Take your time. And others. Tremendous. Be seated for one moment. Um, let me encourage you in the back. There are a couple tables back there. Uh, Brother Zach's table, Known Campus Ministry, is back there to my left um, as you go in to the foyer. Brother Harding's table's there, and uh, we have the bus them in table there. You can look at some of the pictures of the buses that we've been able to donate over the years. And uh, we need a new book because it keeps growing, and we're grateful for it. Um, Woodlawn Baptist Church, it's, it's amazing how God kind of orders things. I didn't know, I never asked preachers what they preach on, but, um, and these folks that I want to just mention tonight, um, aren't as others to Woodlawn. They might be as others to some of you, uh, but they made a great impact, uh, on our church. Um, several years ago this day, um, God took home, um, Brother Chuck. And a few days prior to that, Miss Connie, 
Amen. Never forgotten. This couple impacted a generation, four decades in the bus ministry. I've looked at the math. I mean, sometimes I'm wrong, but from my math, almost 100,000 children rode their bus. And um, I was one. So this is what heroes look like. And I'm sorry I'm crying. Makes me mad. But it's my passion. Chuck and Connie were heroes. You know, my, my prayer is maybe God would let them get a little glimpse every Sunday morning as those buses roll out. Maybe even get a little a little smell of diesel up in heaven. <laughs> but each of you have somebody in your life. That's your Chuck and Connie. May we never be guilty. We've the theme, a forgotten generation. Don't forget the people that invested in you. They may be the as others. My wife is a little girl. She doesn't know who that Sunday school teacher was that encouraged her to read that, read the Bible every day. But God does. God, God knows. God knows. And God knows the people that impacted your life. And uh, I just wanted to close out and uh, remember some great people. Brother Harding, run up here. You may not want to use this mic. I've slobbered on it. But <laughs> dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do stand amazed in your graciousness, your gentleness, your watch care over us, and how good you are that you will use anyone that's simply available to you. Help us to always remember our greatest ability is availability. And Father, we can be one of those others by living for others. So Father, thank you for this message tonight, how it's touched our hearts, how it's encouraged our souls. Lord, might we go out of here with that gleam in our eye and that little spring in our step. Lord, that song in our hearts. And Father, might we see more come to know your precious Savior as theirs. Lord, that we might see many turn to the truth. And Father, we pray this in the precious name of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.